You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. All right, well... Let's pray, and uh, we'll get into the Word. You ready for the Word tonight? Yes, sir. All right, me too. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, thank you for being so good to us and all that Jesus has done for us. We thank you for the price that he paid, his shed blood, his broken body for us. And because of what he did, Lord, I thank you that we are healed. We are delivered. We're born again. We've been set free. All the things that he bought and paid for, Lord, I thank you that's who we are. And Father, we thank you tonight that we gather together around your word. And Father, we believe for revelation and for insight tonight. And we believe for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus called him the teacher. And so we expect to be taught tonight. We give the Holy Spirit permission to bring that revelation to us. And and as, as a result of that, Father, I thank you none of us are going to be the same, that by the time we finish tonight, Lord, I thank you that we're going to be different. We're, our faith is going to be built up, and Lord, I thank you that we'll be mindful to be doers of what we hear and not just hearers only, and we thank you for it, and we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. All right, well, we finished last week talking about uh, seven steps to uh, answer prayer. And so I'm going to dovetail what we're going to talk about tonight in conjunction with that, and that is how to speed up answers to your prayers. The Bible teaches us that there are things that we can do to facilitate uh, the answers to our prayers being able to come sooner and quicker. Uh, and, and on the flip side of that, there are things that we can do that can delay those answers. And so uh, you know, if you want to understand that, just think about the opposites of a lot of the things that we're going to talk about in this particular lesson. But let, let's get into this. Let, I'm going to make a couple of points to, to begin with, and that is this. Here's what we're after. Bible faith stays with it until you get the manifestation. And we're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. But you need to understand that that the the purpose of and the way faith works is that once you release your faith, stay with whatever you're believing God for until you receive the full manifestation of that. So if if you're standing in faith for healing in your body, uh, you know, stay in faith until the full manifestation of that healing takes place. Or if it's a financial need, whatever it might be, stay with it until you receive the full manifestation or answer to your prayers. Now, what I want to encourage you to do, though, is this, and I learned this from Brother Hagin a long time ago, and that is this, if you're not receiving answers to your prayers, evaluate, take some inventory, ask yourself some questions. Why is this happening? And then, of course, give the Holy Spirit permission to reveal to you where uh, the short circuit is taking place, because I can assure you one thing, that the, the failure is not on God's end. The failure is going to be on our end. We know that the word is true. God's word never fails. God has never failed or missed it. And uh, so I want you to know and understand that if there is a, a faith failure, so to speak, it is on our end and not on God's end. So that being said, give the Holy Spirit permission to minister to you and bring some revelation to you on what the shortfall might be. Where do we need to make adjustments? And the thing that I love about God is he loves us so much that he will give you those little tweaks, those little adjustments, things that we need to do so that our faith will work every single time. Now, again, I want to say this to you. God wants to answer your prayer. He's not trying to figure out ways how to hold answers back. He's not trying to, uh, you know, string you along like a carrot in front of a donkey or something along that line. No, he's trying and doing his best to bring us all to a place where we can receive from him. 
And so we need to understand that. And so again, if there is a shortfall, take time to, to learn, be a student uh, of your, your own life, a student of your past and, and learn why things are not working. And uh, so, you know, just don't, you know, as I said to you last week, don't just wash your hands of it and say, oh, well, better luck next time. Okay. No, learn why those things aren't happening. So one key that I want to talk about briefly, because we spent a whole lot of time talking about it over the past few weeks, and that is this, take time to find out what the word says about what you're praying about. And I cannot emphasize that enough. Because if you have the word on the matter, that's just as good as having the answer on the matter. All right. So take time before you pray, if you can. Now, emergency situations, you, you sometimes you can't. But take time before you pray about something and find out what the word of God says about that particular thing. Now, that being said, I want to uh, put this little addendum to our lesson, and that is this. It is very important that you understand that there are different types of prayer. There are, are seven or eight different types of prayer, depending on how you look at them. And uh, a lot of times, the type of prayer that you are praying can determine how long it takes for the answer to arrive. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me, let me kind of differentiate between the two. When we pray the prayer of faith for ourselves, if we are standing on the word of God for something that Jesus has bought and paid for, um, there is no reason for delay in the answer to that prayer getting to you. In other words, um, it, that is something that is between you and God, okay? And uh, so you and he are, are working that out. You and he, you're releasing your faith. He's releasing his power. Now, there are other types of prayer where, for instance, the prayer of intercession, where we're praying for other people. You know, you might be praying and believing God for a loved one to get saved. And, uh, you know, of course, we know how to pray that God would send forth laborers into their life to bring them the word of God, people that they will listen to and so forth. But here's the thing that I want you to understand is this, their will is involved in that prayer. So yes, God hears your prayer. God uh, does send the people, but sometimes you and I can't determine how long that takes because their will is involved. All right. So keep that in mind. Another type of prayer that could be delayed out of your control, and that is Let's say you're you're praying and believing God to meet a financial need. Well, as I've said to you many times, uh, God doesn't have any money, uh, and He doesn't print money. He doesn't, you know, have angels bring you money. The Scripture is very clear. If you'll remember in Luke six thirty eight, the Scripture says that "Give and it shall be given unto you; good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom." So, so you need to understand something. If you have a financial need and you're standing in faith for that financial need, it is up to people to obey the promptings and the direction of the Holy Spirit in order to help supply that need in your life. And so I don't know about you, but there have been times when God has instructed me to uh, give to someone and, and I delayed it. You know, I wanted to discuss it with the Lord, you know, particularly if I thought I had a need that was a little more pressing than theirs. And uh, so, you know, sometimes we can be hardheaded and we can slow down that process. That's why it's very, very important. Just a little side note that if God does ever lead you and direct you to do something like that, instantly obey the direction of the Holy Spirit. And here's why, because God could be setting you up for something you need in your future. And here's what you need to understand. What you sow, you will reap. So if you sow delay, you're going to reap delay. Okay? So that's why it's important for us to be very quick in obeying God where those types of things are concerned. Because we are, are sowing into our future and, and laying the groundwork of what God will be able to do for us. Now, the flip side of that is, or the underside of that is this. Understand this, God moves the moment you pray, 
Okay, so turn with me over to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 10. I want to look at a couple of verses there, Daniel chapter 10, and I want to look at verses 12 and 13. And while you're turning there, let me lay a little groundwork as to what's going on here. We we just, we mentioned this verse in, in a, a Sunday message recently, but um, Daniel has received some revelation. He had a vision, what we call a vision of some end-time things that were going to be happening. He did not understand those things, and he desired to receive revelation and insight of what those things meant. And so he set himself to pray for those things and to believe God for that revelation. And uh, so as he was praying, uh, an angel appeared to him. And so we pick up in that conversation in uh, verse 12, it says, then he, the angel said to me, Daniel speaking, do not fear, Daniel. Now here's the thing that I want you to see. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God or to pray, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, here's what I want you to see is that God answered his prayer the moment he prayed. Okay. Now, we know if you go on and read in verse 13, it says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, who is, was an, uh, a demonic spirit, uh, withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, or an archangel, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. So what happened is God had answered Daniel's prayer, dispatched the angel, but uh, the, the angel met opposition in getting the revelation to Daniel, and uh, and that opposition was was put forth by the powers of darkness, and it delayed his answer getting to him. Now, I'll go into more detail on that, but just a second. But what I want you to understand is, is God answered Daniel's prayer the moment he prayed. So you need to understand. Now, this man, although he was a devoted, wonderful, you know, godly living Jew, he was not born again. He was not washed in the blood. He did not have the authority to the name of Jesus that we do. And yet his prayer was answered immediately. You and I, as born again believers, how much more will our prayers be answered immediately the moment that we pray? Particularly, all you have to do is use the name of Jesus and uh, that gets heaven's attention, okay? So your prayers are answered the moment that you pray them, as long as they're prayed in line with the, the word of God. Now, let's talk about a moment about the opposition factor, okay? So Daniel prayed. Uh, the answer was sent to him via an angel, and uh, the angel was held up by a demonic force. Now, here's something that I want you to see that's different in the dispensation that you and I live, and that is this. We have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. Daniel did not. So you have the means. In other words, let me say it to you this way. God doesn't have to send an angel to you to get revelation to you. You have a hotline from heaven, so to speak, living on the inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit. So if you need revelation and insight, you pray, you ask God, and God, by his spirit, can immediately reveal that to you and move in your own heart quickly to bring that revelation to you. Now, as far as opposition is concerned, yes, there might be some things that we're praying about that can face demonic opposition. For instance, if you're obeying the word of God and you're praying for our nation, for the leaders of our country, and so forth and so on, there can be some uh, opposition in the spirit that is uh, thwarted or trying to thwart your prayers and to keep those prayers from being answered. But however, they will not prevail. When we pray in faith, in the name of Jesus, our prayers, our, the answers to those prayers will prevail eventually sooner or later. Okay. So there are some things that happen along that line, but the search situation with Daniel needing revelation the Holy Ghost can reveal that directly to you without having to have angelic visitation, okay? Now, turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 6, 
And uh, let me just remind you, I know you're familiar with this, but Ephesians chapter six. And uh, so again, uh, you've prayed the prayer of faith. You've prayed in the name of Jesus. So what do we do at that point? Well, Ephesians chapter six tells us, Ephesians chapter six, let's look at verse 10. Ephesians chapter six and verse 10 says this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the trickery or deceit of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now, here's where I want, to, want you to see that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, your warfare is primarily going to be in standing. And what does that mean? That means standing in faith uh, until you get your answer, basically. Okay. Now, a lot of times, you know, I know people have gotten carried away with spiritual warfare and gone into the ditch on, you know, on one side of the road or the other. But the majority of your warfare is going to take place as you stand in faith, defending the ground that you're standing on. Meaning this, that you're standing and you're fighting the good fight of faith. And so, you know, we don't have time to get into the armor and all of that tonight, but most of what you'll study and realize about the armor of God is that it is designed for uh, defense and not necessarily offense. Okay. So what God's plan is, well, let me just say this. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Satan is a defeated foe. End of discussion. I mean, it's a point, all right? It is done. So what we're responsible to do is to occupy and stand and defend the ground that Jesus has won, okay? And so when you pray the prayer of faith and you're standing in faith, basically that's what your battle is going to be, is to stand. Now, the majority of your warfare is going to take place right here, okay, in, in between your two ears, all right, in, in dealing with thoughts and things like that. That's where the majority of your warfare is going to take place. It's not going to take place with you having to fight the devil. You don't fight the devil by yelling in tongues. You don't fight the devil by getting mad at people. You don't fight the devil in, in, you know, in all the different ways we've thought about you fight the devil. Those are just distractions that the devil has introduced into the body of Christ to get us off course, okay? You never once do we ever see Jesus when it came to dealing with the devil where he had to yell and scream in tongues or anything like that, all right? All he did, he knew who he was and he stood his ground. And that's what you and I have to do. So let's talk about seven things that we can do. And, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all about um, lists and things like that help me organize my thoughts. Uh, so I don't mean to um, make it seem like it's a magic formula or anything like that, but it just helps me organize my thoughts. And so that's why a lot of times I'll have stuff in numbered lists. So I wanted to mention that. So we can either speed up or hinder the manifestation of our prayers. So here's seven ways that we can speed things up. Number one, the answer can come faster if the word is rooted in us. The answer to your prayer can come faster if the word is rooted in us. How deep is the word of God rooted in your heart? Because that can determine the speed to which the answers to your prayer take place. Uh, how you regard and how you treat the word of God, in other words, your attitude towards the word of God can determine the speed of your answer. Okay. Brother Hagen used to say this, the answer to our prayer can come faster if the word is strongly rooted in us 
the more of the word that is in you, the stronger your faith will become. Okay. So it's imperative that we keep the word rooted in our hearts. And again, that goes back to what we talked about in the, in the last series of lessons. And in this one, when we said that our lives, not just our prayers, but our lives must be based on and in the word of God. Okay. And so again, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's important that, that we understand that we must keep ourselves immersed in the word of God. You can't afford to allow outside influences to water down the word that is going into your heart. In other words, you know, you can't spend 10% of the, your time in the word and 90% of your time in worldly things. You're going to minimize the effect that the word is having in your life. The word has to be the dominant thing in your life. And so um, the manifestation to your prayer is dependent on the strength of your faith. The manifestation, the answer to your prayer and receiving that answer is dependent on the strength of your faith. So feeding on the word of God means staying with the scripture. Now, here's something. Let me give you a little tidbit, a little helpful hint about meditating in the scripture. I talk a lot about spending time meditating in the word of God. Now, what I want to encourage you to do is let the Holy Ghost stir in your heart a scripture or a portion of scriptures and then meditate on that. Okay, <laughs> let me say it to you this way. Uh, when you need healing in your body is not the time to go into Revelation and study who the Antichrist is, okay? That's not what you need to be doing. Use some common sense, first of all, but then allow the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to lead and guide and direct you as to what you meditate on, okay? So if the Holy Spirit directs you to a specific scripture, then you need to camp out on that scripture. There's a reason that he is pointing you to that portion of the word. He's wanting you to get something out of that. You know, there have been times in my own life where I've been studying the word and, you know, a particular scripture will uh, jump out at me and uh, I can't get away from it. And, and it's the Holy Spirit dealing with me and my spirit that there's something there that I need that he wants me to get and so I need to park there. I need to stay there until I get what he wants me to get. And, uh, you know, stay with it. Chew on it. Stay with it over and over and over again until you're able to uh, receive from him what he's wanting you to get out of that portion of Scripture. I heard it said this way, let the Holy Spirit guide your meditations. Okay? Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you in your meditation. So whatever you're spending time thinking about, uh, you know, meditating on as far as the word is concerned, let that be something that the Holy Spirit has brought before you. Now, if if he doesn't, then, hey, you, you can use your head and you can figure out some things from the Bible to look at. But when there's revelation behind it, when there's an anointing on that particular scripture for you at that moment, Stay with it until you extract everything that the Lord wants you to get from that scripture. Let's go over to John chapter 15, please. John chapter 15. And let's look at verse 7, John 15, 7. And I want to read this from the New King James, and I'm going to read it to you from a couple of other different translations that bring some additional light. But John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, this promise is conditional. So what are the conditions that we need to meet? Number one is you need to abide in him. And then number two is his words need to abide in you. Now, abiding there is not a casual relationship. Abiding there means to live in, to stay there. 
Uh, in the Amplified Bible, it says this, if you live in me, abide vitally, united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. The Good News Bible says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish and you will have it. The New Living says this, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for whatever or anything you want and it will be granted. So pick up on that word remain. That's the key. If we remain in him, now that doesn't mean if you get saved and uh, you know, and you're barely hanging on and you could lose your salvation tomorrow. No, there's he's talking about relationship. He's talking about fellowship. You know, it's one thing to be born again and be related to the Lord Jesus, but it's another thing to have fellowship with him. And he's talking about fellowship here. He's talking about a degree of relationship that goes deeper than just being casually acquainted with. Okay. Now let's go over to Colossians, please. Colossians chapter three. And look at verse 16, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Now, Paul writing, he says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now focus on that first phrase there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. In the Greek language, that word richly means in abundance, in a great measure. Not just a little bit, but in abundance, in a great measure. So let the word of Christ, let the word of God dwell in you in great measure. In other words, you must be, I must be full of the word of God. Okay. Now I'll say this to you. You're never going to get too full of the word. In other words, you're never going to get to a point where you're going to be able to say, you know what? I'm full. I don't need any more. All right. No, you're never going to get that point. You keep striving or aiming towards that. But, but how many of you know, and th this is true where things, <laughs> spiritual things are concerned, talking about uh, spiritually speaking, but you leak. Okay. So at the same time that you're putting word in, you're leaking a little bit. All right. So just know that you'll never get to the point where you're so full of the word that you can stop. And, uh, I don't need any more word. I'm done. We will never get to that point. All right. Now, when we give an all out effort to the word, we speed up the manifestation. Now go over with me to Mark's gospel, please. We're looking at a lot of scripture. Is that okay for Bible study? Yes. All right. I thought it would be. I was going to anyway, whether you, whether you said yes or no. That was a joke. <laughs> All right. Mark chapter four, look at verse 23. Okay. Mark four, verse 23. Jesus said this, uh, I'm going to read it. No, let me read it out of the Amplified. I was going to read both, but let me read it out of the Amplified. The Amplified says this, if any man has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. Now I want to ask you a question. All the people that were standing there listening to Jesus teach that day, did they have these on the side of their heads? Most mm -hmm. likely. Okay. So the hearing that he is talking about is not with these right here. It's the ears of your heart. He's talking about uh, if any man has ears to hear. In other words, your heart has ears and you can control whether your heart is listening or not. All right. So he says, if any man has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. Now, notice this. This is what I wanted to get to. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear 
will be the measure of virtue or power and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. Now, I want you to get that. He says, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue, or that same word is power, and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. Now, notice this in verse 25, for to him who has will more be given. For to him who has what? Ears to hear. Okay. So for him who has ears to hear, more will be given. And from him who has nothing, in other words, no ears to hear, even what he has will be taken away by force. See, it's a dangerous thing to close your heart ears off to the word of God. In other words, when you do that, you open the door for the enemy to come and take from you the revelation and insight that has already been put into your heart. So it's key that whenever the word of God is being ministered by, by you know, how, whatever method, that you have ears to hear, heart ears to hear. And then it's also important that you the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the amount of power and knowledge that comes back to you. So what does that mean? That means that you and I, when we hear the truth of God's word, whatever diligence you put towards that is how much that's going to be able to work in your life. That's why, and, and I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say this, but that's why it's so important not to let Sunday be the only time you hear the word. Don't let the messages that we minister at church on Sunday be the only time that you hear the word or the only time you think about what you hear or the only time you study what you hear. No, it's so important that like, you know, when we preach a, and teach a message at church, you know, that's one of the reasons that we do the, the handouts that we do. So you can take those, you can give thought and study to it after the fact and, and, the more you do that, the more power and knowledge that's going to be available to you. All right. Now, here's number two. Second thing you can do to, to speed up the, the answers to your prayers. Here's number two. With consistency lies victory. Okay. With consistency lies victory. Now, if there's anything that, that I could say as a pastor about the church as a whole, church universal and Christians as a whole right now, um, is that a lot of Christians lack consistency. And what do I mean by that? Let me say it to you this way. Our lives ought to be so consistent that people around us ought to be able to predict without fail how we're going to respond in a given situation. Okay. In other words, uh, our lives, we ought to be growing and, and being able to become more and more consistent all the time. Let me say it to you this way. I, I, I see a lot of Christians whose lives are like a roller coaster. They're up a couple of days, they're down a day. They might be up for a week and then they're down for two or three days. And I don't mean that, you know, that they're down and depressed, but uh, let, let's say it this way, you know, one day they've got the victory, the next day they're overwhelmed by their problems. Uh, you know, the next day they're up for two or three days, you know, hey, praise God, I'm winning. And then, you know, you talk to them a couple of days later and, uh, you know, they're just uh, uh, under everything. You know, you ask them, how you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. Well, what are you doing under the circumstances? You're supposed to be over the circumstances. And so I, I think you get the picture. Let's look at Hebrews chapter six, please. Hebrews chapter six. And let's see what the Bible has to say. Hebrews chapter six. Verse 11, somebody tell me what hope is. 
Expectation. Say it again, Mom. Expectation. Expectation. Okay. Hope is expectation. So I'm going to replace the word hope with expectation in the verse we're getting ready to read. Look at verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of expectation until the end. Look at, and then look at verse 12, that you do not become sluggish or lazy, one verse says, or one translation says, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, underline, if your translation that you're reading from says patience, underline that, please. The word patience does not mean tolerate. The word patience doesn't mean hang on by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. Patience means consistency. So I want you to see the two twins that work together that are so closely related. Actually, there's three. We'll talk about the third one later, but there's two that we're talking about right now. Notice it says that you do not become lazy, but imitate those who through faith and consistency inherit the promises. I love the Message Bible in, in verse 12. It says this, don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. So what, what, what we have to have is this thing called consistency. In other words, have faith, but let faith and consistency work together, okay? Because it says that those who do that inherit the promises. In other words, they receive what they're promised. Now, go over with me uh, just over a few pages to the book of James, please. James chapter 1. You remember anybody old enough or not old enough or however you want to look at it to remember the cartoon, the Wonder Twins? You know, that they had the rings and they would say, Wonder Twin Power, activate, okay? Well, faith and patience are the Wonder Twins, all right? They have a cousin that works with them too, but all right, we'll talk about that later, but uh, you've got to have both of these in place, faith and patience. James chapter one, verse two says this, my brethren or my sisterin, both count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, and it, that should be translated works, like the old King James says, the testing of your faith works patience. But let patience, somebody tell me, what's patience? Consistency. Consistency. So knowing this, that the testing of your faith works consistency, but let consistency have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you see the potential of that? When we learn how to let faith and patience or consistency work together, it is possible for you to come on the other, come out on the other side of that trial, perfect and entire or complete, lacking nothing. See, there's an assumption in the body of Christ that when we go through tests and trials, stuff is being extracted from us. Stuff is being removed from our lives. Well, James counters that. He says that when you go through a trial, if you let faith and, and consistency work together in that, you'll come out on the other side of that trial complete and perfect and wanting or lacking nothing. That's good news to me. So uh, that's how come we can count it all joy. So, so listen, when, when a trial is presented to you, don't say, oh, Lord, here we go again. You know, I just knew something was going to come. I mean, things were just going too good. I knew something was going to come up. No, don't have that attitude. Have this attitude that when that trial presents itself, say, okay, here's another opportunity for faith and consistency to work together. And I'm excited to know that when I come through this trial, I'm going to come through it on the other side, complete and perfect, lacking nothing. 
In other words, this trial is not going to be able to take anything from my life. Okay. All right. Let me read it to you out of the uh, Passion Translation. It says this, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. Think about that. Y'all, when that test is presented to you, if you'll let it, it'll activate something on the inside of you, a power, an anointing, a grace to help you endure that test and not cave in. Verse four, and then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Hallelujah. That's good news to me. I like that. Okay. So now we won't turn there for the sake of time. I put it in the notes, but does anybody know, can quote me or tell me what the nine fruit of the spirit are? Love, joy, peace. Wait, 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 Alan, what'd you say? Patience. Patience. Patience or consistency is a fruit of the spirit. So if you don't feel like you have all the consistency you need right now, ask the Holy Ghost to go to work on the inside of you to produce that fruit so that you can become more consistent. In other words, that there is something that's released on the inside of you that will allow you to be able to endure. Now go over with me back to the book of Hebrews, a couple of pages to Hebrews chapter 12. Mm -hmm. Y'all getting anything out of this? Yes. yes, I am. Like the old preacher says, I've done preached myself happy. Like <laughs> Jesse Duplantis says, I may take up an offering for myself. <laughs> All right. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse one. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And look at this. And let us run, one translation says, with patience. This uh, The New King James says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So can I say this to you? Let us run with consistency the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I, I did a little uh, study and I looked. In the dictionary, here's the word for endurance. Endurance means this, the fact or power of enduring or bearing pain, hardships, etc., the ability or strength to continue or last, especially despite fatigue, stress, and other adverse conditions. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to be very real with you. There are going to be times when you get fatigued. There are going to be times when you're tired, but that's not the time to quit. That's not the time to back down. That's the time to grit your teeth and say, you know what? I'm staying in this. I'm remaining consistent. And, uh, you know, we're going to stay with this and we're going to endure and we're going to make it through to the other side. And we're going to come out of this thing. Um, turn back with me to Hebrews chapter 10, please. Look at verse 35. I'm going to read these 35 and 36 to you out of the Amplified Bible. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36 says this, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of steadfast patience or consistency and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. So notice again, those things are, are paramount to us being able to receive the promise of whatever it is that we're standing in faith for. So we, we have to have this thing at work in our lives 
called consistency. And if you need help developing consistency, then give the Holy Ghost permission to develop that fruit in you as part of our Christian character that he develops with us. And, you know, I'll, I'll say it to you this way. I, I, I've heard somebody, I can't remember exactly who, whether it was Brother Hagen or Brother Copeland or somebody say this, you know, that, that, that there are a lot of Christians that need some backbone instead of wishbone. In other words, a lot of Christians that need to, you know, have a spine and stay in the fight. Okay. Because we win. That's the good news to this. We win through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Galatians 6, 9 in the New Living says this, just make a note of it. So let's not get tired of doing what it's good, what is good at the right time. We'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I know with me, uh, let me say it to you this way. One of the, the things I'm not looking forward to when I get to heaven, if there, if, if there is such a thing, and, and that is this, I dread getting insight and seeing how close in, in different situations I came to victory and I lost it because I quit or I gave up or I backed down or I compromised. And I think that's one of the things, you know, I, I don't know. It could be one of the things that the Lord reveals to us. Uh, you know, I would just assume learn that lesson now and not have to learn it when I get there. Okay. I want every victory that God has in store for me. I want everything that Jesus bought and paid for. And uh, the key to that is going to be, or a key is to stay with it until you receive the victory. Now, here's number three. We'll cover this and then uh, we'll pick up here next week. But here's number three. Never underestimate the power of your praise and worship. Never underestimate the power of your praise and worship. And obviously, I'm talking about towards the Lord. Okay. Never underestimate the power of that. I think if, if, if God could somehow do like he did uh, for Elisha's servant, pull the curtain back, so to speak, into the realm of the Spirit so we could see what was happening when we praise and worship God, I think we would be utterly uh, amazed at what's going on. And see, a lot of times we don't think that that it's really effective because in the natural, we don't see the results of it, but I can promise you this, and we're going to look at some scriptural examples, but I can promise you this. There are things that are happening in the spirit as a result of you taking time to praise God and to worship God for the answer. And, and also just to praise and worship him for who he is and worship mm -hmm. him because he's good and his mercy endures forever. Let's look at Acts chapter 16, please. Acts chapter 16. Again, we're talking about how to speed up the answers to your prayers. I think this is probably one of the biggest things right here. Because what you do when you're praising God is you're laying the groundwork, uh, again, in the spirit for God to be able to move on your behalf. So Acts chapter 16, verse 25 Paul and Silas have been thrown into jail for preaching the word of God. And I, I love this, these scriptures. They're, they're some of my favorites, but they've been thrown into jail for preaching and teaching the word of God. And the, their backs are beaten. They were beaten and put in, in chains. And so they're there in the prison. Now, in this particular prison, uh, historians have looked and seen that uh this particular prison that they were in was one of the most disgusting places that you could be thrown in. Uh, a lot of times the prisons, uh, particularly in, in Roman controlled cities, were part of the sewage system that ran underground in these cities. And a lot of times, not to be too graphic, but the prisoners sometimes would be ankle deep or knee deep in human waste while they were in 
these particular prisons. Okay. So it's a bad, bad, bad situation. So here they are, they're, they've been beaten, they're chained. And uh, so it says, but at about midnight, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. As Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, it, this is key right here. Now, I'm not saying you have to make a fool of yourself. So in essence, if you're sitting at your desk at work and you need to praise God for something, uh, th this might not be the opportunity to say it real loud and, and be you know obnoxious and all of that. But there might be a chance or an opportunity where you do need to be loud. And, and notice Paul and Silas were loud about it, so loud that the other prisoners and the other cells heard them. And it says in verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake, earthquake so that the very foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the doors were opened and everyone's shackles were unfastened. So here, as a result of these two men praising God, singing hymns of praise in a difficult time. Now, now it says that they prayed and sang praises. So what were they praying? Did they have their, their 10 cups rattling on the bar saying, nobody knows the trouble I've seen? No, it wasn't <laughs> that at all. They had prayed. The will of God was for them to be preaching the gospel. So they had prayed, and, and, and I'm sure their prayer might have gone something like this, Lord, uh, your will is for us to be preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot do that here bound in this prison. So we ask you to bring deliverance for us so that the gospel can continue to go forth. And then they didn't just stay with that prayer. They sang praises to God. So in other words, I believe maybe they went to the Old Testament and found some Psalms that talked about deliverance. You know, it might have been from Psalm 121 where, you know, they, they sang a, a little song about, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. You know, something we don't know, but it was something to that effect. And they were loud enough that the prisoners heard them. And it says that suddenly there was an earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. Now, here's the thing I want you to see is not just Paul and Silas were set free, but every prisoner in the jail was set free. Now, it goes on to say in verse 27 that when the jailer startled out of his sleep, saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was on the point of killing himself because he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. He saw all the doors open and so he thought, oh man, they've escaped while I was asleep and, and I'm going to get in trouble for this. So I might as well kill myself now. And if you go on to read the story, Paul uh, spoke up and said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And to make a long story short, the Philippian jailer ended up giving his heart to Christ he and his whole family ended up getting saved, and they became prominent leaders there in the church at Philippi. But what I want you to see is, is if Paul and Silas had underestimated the power of that's made available through prayer and through worship and singing praise to God, they would have rotted in that jail. And what I want you to see is never underestimate that when you're in a difficult situation, that you pray, you release your faith. And then as we said last week, don't pray in faith again. No, thank God for the answer. Praise God for the answer. Worship the Lord Jesus for the answer. And, and, and lay the groundwork for God to be able to move in that situation. Now, one last uh, portion of scripture. Um, so if you want to write it down, I'll give you most of the story. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 20 through 25. This is a great story. There's five armies that have come against Judah. King Jehoshaphat calls a fast and, and, and knows that they need to deal with this, but they need God's help. So he calls a fast, a time of prayer. The whole, uh, you know, whole nation of Judah got together and they prayed and the Lord spoke to them through a prophet that was there. And uh, he gave them instructions on what to do 
to go before, uh, to go into battle. And, uh, he said, uh, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord, your God, and you shall be established, believe his prophets and you shall prosper. This is what the King told them. And then, you know, the story that as they got ready to go into battle, the Lord instructed Jehoshaphat to put the praisers and the worshipers in front. Now I'm going to say this to you, and I don't mind uh, fessing up to this. I taught this wrong for a long time because I did not take the time to really pay attention. Like I tell you to do pay attention to the details, but I did one day finally read it, paid attention to the details and I saw something. So uh, let's jump in. Uh, look at verse 21, second Chronicles 20 and verse 21. It says, when he had consulted with the people, the King appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who were come out against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. So what happened as the people began to praise and to worship God, the Lord caused the enemies to turn on each other, and they began to defeat and kill each other. And so when Judah, here's where I taught it wrong, and you've probably heard it taught this way too, that, that they set the praisers in front, so they marched down to the battlefield, they get down to the battlefield, and as they're praising the Lord, saying, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, the Lord calls the enemies to ambush one another, and they destroy one another, all in front of the children of Israel. That is not what happened, okay? What I want you to see is, is before the children of Israel ever started marching to the battlefield, they started praising. And as they were on their way to the battlefield is when the ambushment took place, not when they were there. In other words, it did not happen in front of their faces. Now, notice it says in verse 24, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, that they looked toward the multitude and there were the dead bodies fallen on the earth, no one had escaped. In other words, all of this took place behind the scenes before the children of Israel ever showed up to the battlefield. What am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that if you will lift up praise and worship before God, before you ever get in the heat of the battle, the Lord will go to work for you. And it might be where you can't even see it yet but he is working, he will defeat the enemy in that situation. And when you show up at the battlefield, you're going to find out that the enemy was already defeated, that they had already destroyed each other. And then if you read the rest of the story, it says that it took them three days to gather up the spoils that were left because the enemies destroyed each other. All because they worshiped and praised God before they ever got to the battlefield. So if when you pray and you believe God and you lose your faith, if you will begin to praise and worship God, God will go ahead of you and begin to fight that battle for you in the spirit. All right. Now, uh, we're going to stop right here. And uh, I've already gone a couple of minutes over, but I want you to, again, never underestimate the power of God that gets released when you take the time to praise and worship God. All of heaven responds. You know, there's a scripture in the book of Revelation that says that the, the praises of God's people goes before the Lord like incense into his nostrils. The Bible even talks about that in heaven there are bowls filled with incense that are the prayers of the saints. And the scripture says that there is are times when angels take those bowls of incense, and as those prayers have been answered, they take those bowls and they fling that incense back into the earth. And as a result of those prayers hitting the earth, there's earthquakes and shakings and rumblings that take place. See, we underestimate 
what is happening in the realm of the spirit when we pray, particularly as believers washed in the blood and we pray in Jesus' name. All right? So, so there are things that we can do to speed some things up. And so we're learning how to do that. We'll pick up right here next week. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.